Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 174. I'll be interviewing Aliyah Kitwana, who is an engineer turned entrepreneur. So fascinating career story there with some advice for other people who are looking to go out on their own. We've been making various big changes. I let people know on the blog, uh, my big news is we just bought a house, which seems like a lot of people are doing with COVID. It turns out the real estate market has been hot of late as everyone is playing musical houses, deciding that wherever they've been stuck for the past nine months has somehow inadequate and moving to a different place. In our cases, that we had an extra kid versus how much space we have. But you guys aren't moving anywhere anytime soon, right, Sarah? No, although we could. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, we, um, I want you to talk more about your exciting house purchase and your plans for renovation. Um, and I'm super excited for you, but I admit I'm not jealous. <laughs> We're, um, we continue to be renters ever since January of 2019, I guess. And we sold our house, took a while in, in December of 2019. So now this is our first full year we've spent not having to deal with any kind of home, home ownership 
financial responsibilities, mental responsibilities, and it's been really lovely, I have to say. Um, when you crunch the numbers, unless you plan on staying somewhere a very, very long time, there's not as much financial advantage to owning as most people assume that there is. Of course, that does vary based on the location where you are and market appreciation. And if you happen to luck out and buy into a market that then explodes, then you're right. You could prove me completely wrong with certain examples. But I know in our case, we had uh, two houses that we owned before and neither of them were beneficial from a financial standpoint. So that's where we come from. And I guess I just want to mention that we are really enjoying the rental lifestyle and have no plans to change that because I do feel like we are outliers in that regard. And maybe we'll have to do like a renting, owning, I don't know, some kind of a real estate themed full episode at some point, because there is a lot to unpack here. But meanwhile, you're on the opposite side of the spectrum. And I feel like you're more normal because I'm hearing <laughs> a lot of moves. And I'm, I'm actually like enjoying looking at people's renovation plans and tell everybody about, well, number one, what motivated the move? What's going to be great about your new place? And then maybe a little taste of some of the renovation decisions you guys are, are making. Oh, gosh, there are so many renovation decisions. I, we, we've been spending all kinds of time over there and meeting with contractors and figuring out what we're going to do. But, you know, basically, our, I mean, our house is, is not small, our current one. But on the other hand, we have a lot of people. And so the baby is sleeping in the closet. Um, Jasper and Sam are sharing a room. You know, we could make it work. Uh, we had contemplated renovating the attic also to add bedrooms. But as we were thinking about doing that, we're like, well, let's you know, look and see what's on the market because that would have been a very expensive and you know unhappy project too. It's like workmen in our house for three months or something. So we, we were looking and a couple of years ago, an, an interesting old house had come on the market near us that needed a ton of work and we hadn't gone for it. And somebody else bought it and put it back on the market with renovations for, for quite a bit more. Um, and somebody did, in fact, buy it. We we're like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like, not that we want to flip this house, but just that you can often get a reasonable deal on old homes because people are just so wigged out by the renovation process. And since we had been through the kitchen and master bathroom renovation process two, two and a half years ago, it seemed like we could probably handle it. Um, so we, we, you know, we were looking at a lot of different houses. We looked at some brand new construction. We looked at older houses. This, this house, you know, it, it, it's a project. <laughs> I was, but we, we could not have bought it new. And in fact, it's just not, this kind of house is just not available new, that it's a large, um, it's got lovely sort of older, you know, millwork and stone. It's um, on a good amount of land. Like we have a large yard and it's on a, a private road. So it's a lot quieter than where we are now. So there's just all sorts of things that, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to get this in a new construction. So to get it, we have to get it in an older house that needs to be renovated. So that's just basically what we're doing. We're going to um, put in a new kitchen, um, redo the master suite. Um, we're making some of these very, there's some tiny rooms um, that we're combining to make into a playroom. And then, yeah, then the non-fun stuff, like it needs a new roof. <laughs> so it needs a new I HVAC system. <laughs> yes, no, all this stuff is like... <laughs> The, the unsexy part of homeownership, but you know, you do have to put that stuff in. 
Uh, but it's true that if you already have teams, because you mentioned to our listeners, you're not moving very far. No. So same school district. And I'm assuming a lot of your contractor teams and such contacts that you already made from your prior renovation, you can reuse or well, not. Well, we're using really. a different one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, this is, this is probably not surprising to anyone. Nobody ever, I don't know, they don't go back usually. To, although I really like this this new um, team that we've got in place. But yeah, it's it's exciting. And and. It'll be a lot of work over the next six months or so, but then hopefully we'll be in and there for, um, you know, our house for a long, long time and treat it as more of a, I don't know, the family compound or something. That's what I wrote to you. Is this your forever home? Because I, I actually like, I don't really have a family commune compound dream, but I know it's very, very common to have one. Yeah. And I mean, I could see families coming, you know, my five children coming back with their families and and having this, you know, place that's got the big yard that's, you know, got space for them is, you know, appealing. And, you know, we, we weren't going to buy, uh, we, we had thought at various times, because we would go to this one beach town every summer and we're like, oh, well, should we, you know, get a place there? And we're like, no, no, we don't want to do that. Like, we don't want to be on the landlord side of things, for instance, um, you know, renting it out. And then if you're not there, like, I don't feel like spending three months there every year or something, which is what you'd have to do to kind of make it worthwhile. So we weren't going to do that. So we're like, well, okay, let's focus more on the core home (laughs) and and make that nice. And then, you know, not just go wherever uh, in terms of of vacation. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's a lot of work, but it's exciting. I love it. Well, I am excited to listen to the segment. I admit as it's airing, I haven't listened to it yet, but I will get to listen to it live because this is one of the rare interviews that Laura has recorded without me. We may be doing a little bit more of this in the months to come just because we find that the flow of interview with two people tends to work really nicely. It's conversational. And then we each get the treat of listening to each other's content as it airs. Which is good. All right. So here we go. Well, Sarah and I are delighted to welcome Aliyah Kitwana to the program. Sarah could not be here. She's doing residency interviews all day, but I am excited about this. So Aliyah, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, my name is Aliyah Kitwana. I am the owner and founder of Little Black Buddha, which is a career services and software development company. And you have three kids, right? I do. I have a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 4-year-old. So two girls and a little boy. Yeah. And Aliyah has a background in engineering, correct? Uh, yeah. That you are, you're the real engineering math person here. Um, <laughs> why don't you talk about how you, how you got into that originally? That is a good question. In, in high school, I think it goes back to high school, I was, I was good at science and math, and um, I was basically guided or geared towards engineering. It was, um, it was a viable path for me, and there was a lot of scholarship money, and there still is um, for anybody who has young women or, or people of color who are, are looking to go into um, any STEM careers because it, it's very underrepresented by women and by um, people of color. It was part scholarship money, part kind of like get myself to another level in life. And I just happened to have the aptitude to pull it off. And then what was your career in that? Um, Because I know you've worked for a couple big um, engineering related companies. Um, Were you mostly straight on the engineering side? You did some project management too? Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, actually my my career trajectory was was very 
very nonlinear. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that is the case with a lot of people. So I, I study electrical engineering in school. And that was my, my first job out of school was electrical engineering. But they, they stuck me in a lab doing some sort of testing, running a machine and, you know, c- collecting data. But there was like, there was no windows. It was dark. <laughs> no. <laughs> there were no people. Like it was, it, it became more and more miserable as, as time went on. I eventually quit that job and um, I moved to New York and I waited tables for a little bit. And I eventually um, ended up teaching high school math for a couple of years. That worked out for a while until we, we had a family. We started a family. Then I went back to engineering because it was a lot more flexible with the hours. I didn't have to be to work at eight o'clock every day. And um, <laughs> that that meant a lot to me. Um, it still does mean a lot to me to have like make my own hours. That the second time I went back into engineering, I did reliability engineering, and that is, in a nutshell, it's like it's failure analysis. So I would look at a system design and figure out or try to figure out what is the most likely way it will fail and work with the designers to mitigate the failure or the sing- if there's any single point failures or work in um, design mechanisms to mitigate those failures. And that was a lot better suited for me because I got to work with different engineering competencies and other people on the team. So I was not in a dark room uh, <laughs> with a computer and an Excel file. I mean, you know, Excel is still like a happy place for me. But Excel I still, is great. Let's, right. let's all shout out to right. Excel. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like as just as who I am, I, I like to interact with people too. Yeah. Well, and the good news is engineering, you can do both, right? I mean, yeah. there's so many different ways and you've experienced, I mean, between being, you know, in the dark room, but then also a math teacher, you're with all kinds of people yeah. all the yeah. time. And then, you know, group lead of engineering projects and stuff. I mean, that's, that's a totally different form of it too. And um, so that's probably good for people to hear. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. all the dark room. No, it's definitely <laughs> not all the dark room. Long time listeners slash uh, readers may recall that Aaliyah uh, had a short appearance in my book, I Know How She Does It. During her time, uh, it, you know, she lives in upstate New York. You recorded your time log during a very, very snowy week. Do you happen to remember that? I do. I remember <laughs> uh, like it was like there were snowstorms and all. I, and back then, those were the worst things that could happen, right? Now you have a pandemic and you're like, okay, now now I yeah, have yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a wrench that. in the gear. But um, yeah, I recall that. That was and now that I've documented that, I feel like that happens at least once or twice a year whereby, you know, there's a big snowstorm and somebody's sick and you have to go and get them from school or everybody's home from school. You know, like your, your plans change. They're, they're still very dynamic year to year in a normal year. And this year, month to month, it's been like... <laughs> Everything's so different. Yeah. But what, well, what was funny about that week? I mean, a couple of things, but one one is I I love how people figure out how to keep working. Like there was 
a situation where, you know, like the snow is coming down rapidly. You and your husband are trying to figure out like where the you know kids are going to be for the day, where you guys are going to be for the day. And then here you are all ready to go for like the conference call at one o'clock in the afternoon. You've like made everything go to have that work. And then like nobody else signs on. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> you had made it all work to be there. Yeah, it's like, like everyone else can't figure it out. Right. <laughs> Aaliyah is on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But then the other cool thing we we had talked about with this is you realized that you had a very productive window kind of in the late afternoon. Has has that always been the case for you? Is is it sort of like you you get into your gear kind of, you know, four o'clock to five o'clock? Um, was was that just that point in time? I think it was that point in time. The one my one consistent like like work window where I like really get a lot done is usually early morning now. And it, and it's always been that way for, um, because it's like four, four to six and I, I have a family, maybe it still is there. Um, but I just don't have as many opportunities to use that window of time because it's like, okay, that's it's homework time. It's making dinner time. And, you know, a couple of days a week I do, use that window, but it's usually like more for like meetings or Mm -hmm. networking events. Yeah. I mean, we discussed how inconvenient that was as a productive time for a working mom (laughs) that, uh, you know, if you get your groove at four o'clock, well, unfortunately that's, you know, but there were still ways to get it like once or twice a week, right? Right, Instead of, you know, you can't get it every night. We're going to take a quick ad break and then we'll be back to hear about how Aaliyah decided to change into a different form of career. So I am back with Aliyah Kitwana, who has had a long career in engineering, project management, um, you know, teaching. And so you're doing all this. And among the things you talked about in the past is like starting a side hustle. Did you wind up doing a side hustle or did you decide to just go completely into changing something new? Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, I more or less went completely into, well, no, let me, let me go back because this has been like... <laughs> This has been years in the making. Initially, uh, Little Black Buddha, which is my company, uh, it was just, um, I don't want to say just, but it was it was a blog. And that was something that I could do on the side while I worked um, full time as, as an engineer. And at some point, actually, the, the blog came after it. So there was like this, this, I don't know, this pivotal moment in my career where um, I discovered that what they were, no, I didn't, it wasn't just a discovery, but what they were asking me to do was not aligned with my, my moral compass. It was, it felt, it didn't feel good anymore. And so it was like, it was at that point that I knew that I couldn't do the job that I was being asked to do anymore. And for me, that set off kind of an existential crisis. I don't think they would make a movie about it per se, but it it felt like (laughs) it it was not a good situation. You know, it was like one of those situations where you you cry on your way to work and, and I, I I wanted to get out, but I didn't know how. And, and I started like looking for new jobs and eventually I landed on, you know, starting the blog and then uh, realizing that um, I could turn the blog into something that could generate money eventually grew into a business. And 
I was able to walk away from the job that made me cry. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you never want to stick with a job that is making somebody cry. So your your business focuses on helping people in transitions, but you still actually have that software component of it too. Why don't you explain how how the two work together? I'll start with how um, how I help people. So I, I help people through their own career transitions, and I was basically my own my first customer. It took me years to figure it out, to kind of like figure out what I wanted to do, what was right for me, what was not right for me, what wouldn't work. And in in going through the, that years of evolution, I, I, I started to come up with a framework that would help, that I thought could help other people who were going through similar transitions or, or, or changes and just lacked clarity. In, in the they knew that where they were is like this is not it anymore <laughs> but i i just don't know what would work for me anymore and and so like in going through like those that that several year long process i i pulled out like the the pieces that i thought could work for other people and and consistently work for other people so i i use that in the, in the coaching that i do uh and then i took that and i was like well you know we could put this into um, a software package and and help a lot more people if we if we can uh, program it and get the algorithms right and you know all that that tech well, stuff. Turns out you had a background there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but of course the software makes it scalable in a way mm-hmm. that you know just you know calling up Aliyah and saying help me <laughs> does not because um, right, there's only right. one of you exactly. Um, Exactly. And and why don't you, we were talking earlier about this, but why don't you explain for our listeners, what, what's the significance of the little black Buddha? How does, how does that play into the, the, your philosophy of, of this, this company? So, so the philosophy in the company, the coaching, and even in the software that I'm, I'm doing is that it is um, like, it, it's a guide. So um, like, I'll guide you to the answer, but the answer is really already inside you in little black buddha itself like it stems from the buddhist belief that everybody has an inner buddha and and to make it more palatable or within reach for everybody it's just you know that everybody has this inner divine person or an inner god and it's a matter of knowing how how to like hear it it's there but it's not not all of us can listen or hear it or know how to access it the tools and and the coaching that I do helps people to to access it, even though it's, it's not a direct access. I don't like have people go and meditate for a week or, you know, <laughs> fun as that might be. <laughs> Everyone leave me alone for a right, week. <laughs> right. That, that, none of that. But um, it does. I do ask people like I, it, it's it's a mirror, right? Like I show them a mirror like this is all that you have to work with, which is typically a lot. Um, it's just that some people don't always realize that. Well, what if, you know, if you were going to give our listeners an example of something we could do to start listening to our own inner Buddha, as we're trying to figure out, you know, life and in, in our transitions, like what's, what's one practical thing we could do? Typically, the first thing I start with is, is just a value assessment just like getting really clear on on what your values are right now. And so so there's a difference between like the aspirational values and like what is really going on in your life right now. Like you can say like I value quality family time, but if you 
only have dinner once a week. And at that dinner, everybody's like really just checking CNN or Facebook or, you know, like nobody's t- tuned into dinner. Then then you, you have to question if um, quality family time is really a thing. For me, I think I said it earlier, too, is that like flexibility and autonomy are super high on my, my list of values. And so that has to be part of any work that I do. For, for your listeners, I would advise just doing a, a quick value assessment or not even a quick, but like a, a more in-depth value assessment and, and get, get clear on what is important to them and, and what are the non-negotiables. And like, if there's anything in your life that is like out of alignment with those values, then, then you should maybe question that and say, like, is there something I can adjust there? Or is there something that's like really just like harming <laughs> some aspect of my life and my ability to move forward? And if if there is like a block, then then start thinking about moving that block or going around it. Yeah. Always challenging though. You've walked through it, as you said. I mean, it was a it was a I mean, was it a really challenging process for you? It strikes me that, you know, having been in sort of more structured environments for many years than going out on your own must have been emotionally challenging. Yeah. And just to be clear, like I like officially went out on my own uh, September, 2019. So that was really just six months before the pandemic happened. It was, it was very challenging. And, and, you know, like as an entrepreneur, it's not, I think, Sometimes like on Instagram or in the media, they, they try to make it look like it's like glamorous and you're like this overnight <laughs> success. And typically overnight successes take 10 years to get there. And um, <laughs> when you're an entrepreneur, you do everything. So I had to like, I had to learn how to market, I had to learn how to sell and, and, and just continue to be uncomfortable and, and grow. And that, that's how you move forward. Yeah, not having the structure was challenging and is challenging still. I, I, I try to give myself structure, but I also have to be flexible just because uh, kids and in school and all that stuff. Yeah, well, we all do these days with them uh, hanging out, you know, ready to pump <laughs> into the home office at any moment. <laughs> so let's talk about your day-to-day life right now. Like, what does, what does a day look like for you these days? Okay. I don't, I don't know how this will land, but I, I like, I do. So like on a weekday, I wake up typically between um, four and five in the morning. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. It's, just, <laughs> it's like, it's so weird. But, uh, you, you and Sarah, I never do that on purpose, but okay. Yes. Yeah. Right, I, so we're like, up early. <laughs> on purpose. And I do, I, I have a, a morning routine where I, you know, I drink coffee and it's the only time the house is silent. So I, I like, you know, embrace the silence. Sometimes I journal, sometimes I meditate. And then I can usually get in like one, one to two hours of solid work. And then, um, then you get, then I get the kids up and, and we try to have like a, a set routine for them every day. The, the four-year-old actually goes to preschool now. And yeah, that's really it changed our world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only started uh, like one or two months ago. So up until then, we've been trying to make it work at home, and it, it wasn't 
so we get him dressed and off to school. Either I take him or my husband takes him. And the youngest, everybody has a different schedule. So the the nine-year-old, her school is from 1230 to 330 every day. Yeah, it's weird. But she, so she's responsible for walking the dog. So she still has to get up every day and, you know, do her morning routine and then walk the dog. Some days I walk with her because she, she just likes having me around still. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to uh, <laughs> yeah, cash in on that. that. She refuses to talk to you. That sounds great. Right, right. <laughs> now that I have a 12 year old, I know it's not going to last forever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a couple of days a week, I do walk the dog with her. And then getting the 12 year old out of bed is, is also challenging. So her schedule is like on Monday and Tuesday, she has a, a synchronous schedule. And then Wednesday, is they were supposed to not have school, but they really do. And then, and Thursday and Friday is asynchronous and they still have set meetings, but getting her out of bed on the days, like any day is, is, is challenging. Um, <laughs> making sure everybody does their, their little chores or, or what they need to do to start their day is, is also a struggle. But, um, <laughs> Anyways, for that that hour or two when I get everybody going, that's full on mom time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then um, and then I can usually come downstairs and more or less work um, until about four or five o'clock. And and work looks different every day. So some days, you know, like I'm doing a an interview today, and there's a lot of networking events throughout the day. So there's not a lot of like focused work that I get to do. I did some this morning before everybody woke up and um, Mondays I block out completely. So there's no, I don't have any meetings. I do like either content or, you know, I like work on like actual product development type work. So I do try to block out periods of time or whole days where I just don't, um, <laughs> I don't talk to anybody. So I'm not in a dark hole per se, but I just <laughs> so to bring yeah. you back to your early engineering days. It's like now I recognize the brilliance yeah, of the dark like, room all so by it, myself. Yeah, so there's a balance there, and I do have. I'm a part of an incubator now too, so I do have office space, and I would say I go in like once a week for a half a day, um, but that's usually to make sure I have a reliable internet or or some other. Like I have a big interview or a meeting or something like that. Very cool. And what time, if you're waking up between four and five, what time does the day end? Um, for me, uh, <laughs> I turned into a pumpkin at about eight o'clock. I, I, <laughs> you managed to get your kids out? Like, does your 12 year old actually go to sleep? By no, she, she no. goes to bed okay. after me. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't fall, I usually fall asleep between like nine and 10. Oh, okay. Um, but, like as far as anything like useful, it, nothing happens after eight nothing o'clock. Happens. Yeah, like I can read a book or you know get the bed kids to bed, but that that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Well, sounds good. Yeah. Well, this is really cool to you know hear about your new business and how you've made managed to transition. Do you have any sort of advice for people who are thinking about making a big transition? Just anything that would have been helpful to you as you were contemplating doing this? Oh, well, so two things. Well, actually, it's, it's the same thing. Just don't do it alone. 
one of the best things I did this year was, you know, I became a part of a lot of different um, roundtables and and mastermind groups and and learning and talking with other entrepreneurs like has changed my world. And for the first couple of months, I, I tried to do everything on my own and figure it out. You know, I would call people and ask questions, but having more of a, a structured place to meet with people who are experiencing the same thing as you is is a big plus. So I, I yeah. would recommend not doing it on your own. I talked to some women who, you know, like they've done, they've read all the books and they listen to podcasts and like you can, and that's what I did for years. Right. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I would recommend like do that and get some help to invest in yourself and get some help too. Very good advice. Um, uh, well, we always end with a love of the week. And this is something that is making our life really cool right now. Um, people who read my blog know that I have been, I, I just bought a house. <laughs> I'm undertaking a huge uh, home renovation. So I've been enjoying looking at um, both house and the various like kitchens of Instagram, bathrooms of Instagram. Oh, really? I didn't <laughs> yes. know that was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing. You know, porches of Instagram. Like oh, there are wow. accounts with all these names. And so I'm like looking at all of them. Which has been, you know, fun. Probably wastes a lot of time, but uh, I, you know, I'm pondering what the the thing will look like. So I guess kitchens of Instagram will be my my love of the week. So what what have you been finding enjoyable this this past week? And so I have been I've been listening to the Outlander series. Oh, awesome! Not a lot. I mean, it's it's not. But that's a project. That's going to take you a like, long. <laughs> that's that's been my distraction, and you know. It's not high. Well, I don't. I don't want to say it's not high, but it's 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 been my distraction. That's good. That's good. Yeah, right, well, I can project. distract you for like I think like 120 hours. So. Yes, I'm like this, the one book I'm on is like 40 something hours. Yes. It's that, like I said, you that's that's a project, but it'll <laughs> take you for a long time. Well, Aliyah, thank you so much for for joining us. If our listeners want to go um, check out your business, where can they go? Where can they connect with you? Okay, so I am currently doing a crowdfund campaign uh, for the the software that I'm developing, and they can learn more about the product and the campaign at LBB, that as in Little Black Buddha dot fyi forward slash path p-a-t-h and your website itself is littleblackbuddha.com littleblackbuddha.com mm-hmm. all right well please check it out and Aliyah, thanks for joining us thanks for having me all right well that was fun listening to Aliyah. um so we're back with our q and a um i guess i can uh Read it. This is what we call the classic best of both worlds question, some version of which we get a lot, um, get sent into the blogs. I, in fact, wrote a blog post about a similar topic recently. So I'll go ahead and read it. So this listener has um, a little boy who is two and a three month old baby girl. Um, for the past two years, they've done a nanny share with another family, um, which was great, but they started having differences of opinions. And she learned recently that the other family is going to go to a daycare situation. She says they love the nanny they have. Um, and we let her know that we'd like to discuss taking her on full time when the nanny share dissolved. The challenge, she says, is that if she isn't willing to take a pay cut, our family could be paying for me to go to work. 
I know this is a short amount of time in the grand scheme of life, but it is still hard to swallow. I know I would struggle with daycare, so there's a good reason to choose a nanny. Uh, we could look for another nanny share situation or look for a different nanny, um, but we're not sure the grass would be greener because um, it's very hard to find good quality caregivers that you like. Uh, she says she's also been having discussions with her husband about staying home with the two kids, and I'm torn on the idea. She's um, a director of marketing at a, a a company. She likes her job. They're good to me. There's flexibility, but the expectation is to be in the office as much as possible. She says, I know that leaving could set me back on my future earnings and skills. However, it's hard to miss out on so much time with my kids when I won't be able to contribute financially to our lives. Um, of course, you know, she, with a three-month-old baby, she's also like a week back from maternity leave. So there's there's a lot of big emotions here I'm reading into this too. So anyway, Sarah, she says, what is your perspective on the situation? She says, I think I know what you're going to answer, but I want to know for sure. So funny. Well, first, I wanted to just take a moment and mention the idea of a nanny share. It's not something we've talked about much on this podcast. I think it, it makes total sense when you have one baby, perhaps, and you have a really close friend or nearby neighbor that just has one baby. But I can imagine that as kids get older and schedules get more complicated, I'd be surprised to hear there's that many situations that end up working out long, long term, just because as multiple people add more kids to the mix, then all of a sudden you're asking the, the nanny to potentially manage two households and four kids. And pretty soon you basically created an in-home daycare. And I just, I'd be curious if, if you're a listener who's had a nanny share work long term, let us know because I think that is uh, a setup that is we haven't really discussed as much on this podcast. I also want to know the the legal question: whose employee is she? Right? Because I, you know, am going to presume here that people are paying their nannies on the books legally, um, following all employment laws, which means that somebody needs the employment identification number and needs to be doing the paperwork, and that is the person or the entity, if you create an entity, who has like the disability insurance policy on that, if your state requires that, all those sorts of things. So if you have a nanny share, who is that? Like, right, which, which family is that? Or do you create a, you know, a legal, you know, LLC that then employs the yeah. person. I don't know. That um, is really confusing. And then you'd have to, with the other person. Yeah. It's almost like you're starting a small company and then the other person pays you. And then is that income? Like, my God, you're right. The tax implications of that are. So that's glad I yeah, that's why I've always been curious about like when people are recommending the nanny share, I'm like, so are you able to do that legally? I mean, maybe I'm sure somebody must be able to and they figured it out, but I actually have no idea what, what it is. So maybe our listeners can tell us. All right. That was a little digression there. Okay. Or maybe we could have an accountant guest explain. That <laughs> says how this, how this works. Yes. Okay. That was a huge digression. Um, I will read my take that I wrote okay. down and then you can read yours, which I liked. Um, I guess, you know, my, I always say the answer goes beyond money. And you have to remember that part of this is not just a dollars and cents calculation. It's what do you want to do with the next few years of your life? Like we always have to remember like the tagline, life is finite, life is short. So if you want to work, then you should find out a way to do that. And if you really want to stay home and you enjoy that, then I think that if it's financially feasible for your family, you could figure out a way to do that. So I think like the deepest question is like, what do you truly want in your heart? For me, and I know this is like sort of like unpopular to admit sometimes because we're all supposed to love the idea of staying home with our babies for hours and hours and days on end. But you can tell by the way I'm describing it that that it's fun for me for a couple of months during maternity leave. It was not something that I... 
I mean, yes, I'm bittersweet to have to deal with pumping and leaving my baby. But at the same time, at the end of my maternity leaves, I was typically ready to get back to the adult contact contact that I have during the day and kind of the intellectual stimulation and just the fun parts of my job. And I wouldn't have been particularly happy staying home and taking on all of the household running and childcare duties. I guess I could have, but that just wasn't what I wanted. And I know like, again, in our society, it can be really hard to admit that out loud. Um, but then if you end up forcing yourself to do that and you're not happy, then it's probably not going to be good for anyone anyway your children included if you're miserable. So I think that, you know, the biggest calculation, I know Laura's going to go through some some like financial reasons to potentially go back to work um, in terms of income loss. But I, th I think the bigger question is like, what do you want? And if you want to stay home, that's okay too. Like, you know, maybe that's like, you really miss that and you love those baby years and you want to maximize the time spent at home. And you're a driven person. You listen to best of both worlds. I bet you could catch up later on. And we have many stories of people who do. Um, but if you want to go back to work, then that is also completely okay. I'm giving you permission to admit that out loud and, and go for it. Yeah, I mean, this is also like I said, she she is like literally one week back from maternity leave. And I, I think, you know, if we go back and listen to, for instance, Sarah one week back from maternity leave, <laughs> there was a lot of, you know, the pumping, the like, craziness, the like getting out the door in the morning. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And so I, I would say possibly you want to be careful about making huge decisions in that moment. Um, so one thing you could say is that I'm not doing anything long term, I'm going to say six months, six to 12 months, we'll just try being back at work, see how it goes. If I feel like my income is not posed, you know, poised to rise at all, I feel like I'm not advancing, I, you know, am not excited about being back, then sure, you know, make the decision to, to stay home with your kids. That's wonderful. Um, if you, on the other hand, are like, oh, well, now that I'm past those hard early pumping days, now that I'm sleeping better, you know, I'm back excited about my job again. Well, then now, you know, that's great. You know, I think financially, if your family could afford for you to stay home, then they can also probably afford for you to work, even if it is um, for a year or two, a little bit of a loss. Uh, the question of whether your nanny wants to take a pay cut, like, no, she does not want to take a pay cut. Like, would you? Like, do you want to take a pay? No, you don't. So like- And especially with a new baby yeah. coming, because then you're asking her to deal with toddler slash baby. And that is a very hard combination. So I agree. No, no pay cut would be appropriate unless somehow her hours are significantly slashed, but it doesn't sound like they would be if you were going back. Full no, time. no. So, I mean, I think that's that's kind of off the table. But, you know, it is true that when you take time out of the workforce, uh, you shouldn't look at the calculation just at one point in time either. And I, I did a blog post about this recently that because even if you aren't earning much or maybe slightly negative for a year or two, you get compounded growth in your income. Most people do as they stay in the workforce, as they um, develop their skills, as they develop their connections, as they get promoted, as they switch jobs. That's actually a way that people do, in fact, see their income rise significantly. Like if you're staying in the same job, yeah, you're probably not getting huge raises per year. But when you switch jobs, you, you can or if you leap through certain hoops for being promoted you can see your income rise substantially. And that is very hard to do if you leave the workforce. The other thing is a lot of people have trouble coming back at the same place that they left because of various reasons. I mean, A, you have a gap of six, seven, eight years on your resume. Um, so many of your connections may not be there. Um, there are skills you may need to come back to. You may also uh, find it hard to 
accept what working means full-time at that point because the family has become used to you being the solution uh, to any scheduling issues. Like if a child needs to be picked up at school, well, of course it's you because you're not working for pay right now. And so your your spouse will expect that. And all of a sudden, if it's not you, like everyone's like, ah, this is crazy. Like, how are we going to make this work? And so I know a lot of people have a really, really hard time um, with making that transition. Now, as a ambitious, wonderful, best of birth, both worlds listener, I'm sure she could. So again, it all really comes down to what do you want to do? And I'd suggest trying it for a couple months at least and seeing how it goes. And then, and then you can make your decision. I would say try it for a couple of months past the pumping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, it's, and then, hey, it, it may be all better at that point. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We've been interviewing Aliyah Kitwana about her engineering and entrepreneurial journey. And we will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.